Endocrine physiology. The endocrine system, in concert with the nervous system, is responsible for homeostasis, growth, development, reproduction, blood pressure, concentrations of ions, and other substances in the blood, and even barrier and even behavior are all regulated by the endocrine system. Endocrine physiology involves the secretion of hormones and their subsequent actions on target tissues. A hormone is a chemical substance that is classified as a peptide, steroid, or amine. Hormones are secreted into circulation in small amounts and are delivered to target tissues where they produce physiologic responses. Hormones are synthesized and secreted by endocrine cells usually found in endocrine glands. The classical endocrine gland are the hypothalamus, the anterior and posterior lobes of the pituitary, thyroid, parathyroid, adrenal cortex, adrenal medulla, gonads, placenta, and pancreas. The kidney also is considered to be an endocrine gland, and endocrine cells are found throughout the GI tract. Hormones of the hypothalamus. Thyrotropin-releasing hormone stimulates secretion of TSH and prolactin. Corticotropin-releasing hormone of the hypothalamus stimulates secretion of ACTH. Gonadotropin-releasing hormone of the hypothalamus stimulates secretion of LH and FSH. Somatostatin-releasing inhibiting hormone inhibits secretion of growth hormone. Dopamine or prolactin inhibiting factor inhibits secretion of prolactin. Growth hormone-releasing hormone of the hypothalamus stimulates secretion of growth hormone. Hormones of the anterior pituitary. Thyroid stimulating hormone stimulates synthesis and secretion of thyroid hormones. Follicle stimulating hormone stimulates sperm maturation in the testes. Luteinizing hormone stimulates testosterone synthesis in the testes. Stimulates ovulation, formation of corpus luteum, estrogen, and progesterone synthesis in the ovaries. To go back one, follicle stimulating hormone of the anterior pituitary stimulates sperm maturation in the testes and also stimulates follicular development and estrogen synthesis in the ovaries. Growth hormone in the anterior pituitary stimulates protein synthesis and overall growth. Prolactin of the anterior pituitary stimulates milk production and secretion in the breast. Adrenocorticotrophic hormone or ACTH stimulates synthesis and secretion of adrenocortical hormones such as cortisol, androgens, and aldosterone. Melanocyte stimulating hormone or MSH stimulates melanin synthesis. Posterior pituitary secretes oxytocin, which stimulates milk ejection from the breast and uterine contraction. Posterior pituitary also secretes vasopressin, or ADH, which stimulates water reabsorption in the principal cells of the collecting ducts and constriction of arterioles. In the thyroid, hormones secreted are T3 and T4, which stimulate skeletal growth, oxygen consumption, heat production, protein, fat, and carb utilization, perinatal maturation of the central nervous system. Calcitonin secreted from the thyroid decreases serum calcium concentration. Parathyroid stimulates, parathyroid secretes parathyroid hormone, which increases serum calcium concentration. 
The adrenal cortex secretes cortisol or glucocorticoid, which stimulates gluconeogenesis, inhibits inflammatory response, suppresses immune response, enhances vascular responsiveness to catecholamines. The adrenal cortex also secretes aldosterone, which is a mineral corticoid. Aldosterone increases renal sodium reabsorption, potassium secretion, and hydrogen ion secretion. DHEA and androdenedione are adrenal androgens. See actions of testosterone from the testes. DHEA and androstenedone are secreted from the adrenal cortex. The testes secrete testosterone, which stimulates spermatogenesis, stimulates male secondary sex characteristics. Ovaries secrete estradiol, which stimulates growth and development of female reproductive system, follicular phase of menstrual cycle, development of breasts, prolactin secretion, and maintains pregnancy. Progesterone, secreted from the ovaries, causes stimulation of the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle and maintains pregnancy. The corpus luteum secretes estradiol and progesterone. The placenta secretes human chorionic gonadotropin, or HCG. The placenta secretes HCG, which stimulates estrogen and progesterone synthesis in the corpus luteum of early pregnancy. The placenta also secretes human placental lactogen, or HPL, which has growth hormone-like and prolactin-like actions during pregnancy. (coughs) The placenta will also secrete estradiol and progesterone. Pancreas secretes insulin from the beta cells, which decreases blood glucose, and glucagon from the alpha cells, which increases blood glucose. The kidney will secrete renin, which catalyzes conversion of angiotensin to angiotensin 1, and 1,25-dihydroxycalcid vitriol, which increases intestinal absorption of calcium and bone mineralization. The adrenal medulla secretes norepi and epinephrine. To review, the hypothalamus secretes TRH, CRH, GNRH, GHRH, somatostatin, and dopamine. The anterior pituitary secretes, secretes TSH, FSH, LH, ACTH, MSH, growth hormone, and prolactin. Posterior pituitary secretes oxytonin and ADH. The thyroid secretes T3 and T4 and calcitonin. The parathyroid hormone secretes PTH. The pancreas secretes insulin and glucagon. The adrenal medulla secretes norepi and epi. The kidney secretes renin and 125-dihydroxycalciferol. The adrenal cortex secretes cortisol, aldosterone, and adrenal androgens. Testes secrete testosterone. Ovaries secrete estradiol and progesterone. Corpus luteum secretes estradiol and progesterone. And the placenta secretes HCG, estradiol, progesterone, and HPL. Regulation of hormone secretion. To maintain homeostasis, the secretion of hormones must be turned on and off as needed. Adjustments in secretory rates may be accomplished by neural mechanisms or feedback mechanisms. Neural mechanisms are illustrated by the secretion of catecholamines where preganglionic sympathetic nerves synapse on the adrenal medulla and when stimulated cause secretions of catecholamines into the circulation.
Feedback mechanisms are common are more common than neural mechanisms. The term feedback means that some element of the physiologic response to a hormone feeds back either directly or indirectly on the endocrine gland that secretes the hormone, changing its secretion rate. Feedback can be negative or positive. Negative feedback is the most important and common mechanism for regulating hormone secretion. Positive feedback is rare. The principles of negative feedback underlie the homeostatic regulation of virtually all organ systems. For example, in Chapter 4, negative feedback is discussed in the regulation of arterial blood pressure, in which small changes in blood pressure turn on or activate mechanisms that will restore blood pressure back to normal. A decrease in arterial blood pressure is detected by baroreceptors, which activate coordinated mechanisms that increase blood pressure. As blood pressure returns to normal, a disturbance is no longer sensed by the baroreceptors, and those mechanisms previously activated will be turned off. The more sensitive the feedback mechanism, the smaller the excursions of blood pressure above or below normal. In endocrine systems, negative feedback means that some feature of hormone action, directly or indirectly, inhibits further secretion of the hormone. Negative feedback loops are illustrated in the figure. For illustrative purposes, the hypothalamus is shown in relation to the anterior pituitary, which is shown in relation to a peripheral endocrine gland. In the figure, the hypothalamus secretes a releasing hormone, which stimulates secretion of an anterior pituitary hormone. The anterior pituitary hormone then acts on a peripheral endocrine gland, such as the testes, to cause secretion of the hormone, such as testosterone, which acts on target tissues, such as skeletal muscle, to produce physiologic actions. The hormones feed back on the anterior pituitary and the hypothalamus to inhibit their hormonal secretion. Long loop feedback means that the hormone feeds back all the way to the hypothalamic pituitary axis. Short loop feedback means that the anterior pituitary hormone feeds back to the hypothalamus to inhibit secretion of hypothalamic releasing hormone. Not shown in the figure is a third possibility called ultra-short loop feedback in which hypothalamic hormone inhibits its own secretion, such as growth hormone releasing hormone inhibits growth inhibits growth hormone releasing secretion. The net result of any version of negative feedback is that when hormone levels are judged by their physiologic action to be adequate or high, further secretion of the hormone is inhibited. When hormone levels are judged to be inadequate or low, secretion of the hormone is stimulated. There are other examples of negative feedback that do not utilize the hypothalamic pituitary axis. For example, insulin regulates blood glucose concentration. In turn, insulin secretion is turned on or off by changes in the blood glucose concentration. Thus, when blood glucose concentration is high, insulin secretion from the pancreas is turned off, and insulin then acts on its target tissues, liver, muscle, and adipose, to decrease the blood glucose concentration back toward normal. When the glucose concentration is sensed as being low enough, insulin is no longer needed and its secretion is turned off. Positive feedback is uncommon. With positive feedback, some features of hormone action cause more secretion of the hormone. When compared with negative feedback, which is self-limiting, positive feedback is self-augmenting. Although rare in biologic systems, when positive feedback does occur, it leads to an explosive event. A non-hormonal example of positive feedback is the opening of nerve sodium channels during the upstroke of action potential. Depolarization opens voltage-sensitive sodium channels and causes sodium entry into the cell, which leads to more depolarization and more sodium entry. 
This self-reinforcing process produces the rapid explosive upstroke. In hormonal systems, the primary example is positive feedback is the effect of estrogen on the secretion of follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone by the anterior pituitary at the midpoint of menstrual cycle. During the follicular phase of the menstrual cycle, the ovaries secrete estrogen, which acts on the anterior pituitary to produce a rapid burst of FSH and LH secretion. FSH and LH have two effects on the ovaries, ovulation and stimulation of estrogen secretion. Thus, estrogen secreted from the ovaries acts on the anterior pituitary to cause secretion of FSH and LH. And these anterior pituitary hormones cause more estrogen secretion. In this example, the explosive event is the burst of FSH and LH that precedes ovulation. A second example of hormonal positive feedback is oxytocin. Dilation of the cervix causes the posterior pituitary to secrete oxytocin. In turn, oxytocin stimulates uterine contraction, which causes further dilation of the cervix. In this example, the explosive event is patrician, the delivery of the fetus. Regulation of hormone receptions, receptors. The previous section describes the mechanisms that regulate circulating levels of hormones, usually by negative feedback. Although circulating hormone levels are important, they are not the only determinant of the response of a target tissue. To respond, a target tissue must possess specific receptors that recognize the hormone. These receptors are coupled to cellular mechanisms that produce the physiologic response. The coupling mechanisms are discussed in this section on mechanisms of hormone action. The responsiveness of target tissue to a hormone is expressed in the dose-response relationship in which the magnitude of response is correlated with hormone concentration. As the hormone concentration increases, the response usually increases and then levels off. Sensitivity is defined as a hormone concentration that produces 50% of the max response. If more hormone is required to produce 50% of the max response, then there has been a decrease in sensitivity of the target tissue. If less hormone is required, then there is an increase in sensitivity in the target tissue. The responsiveness or sensitivity of a target tissue can be changed in one of two ways. By changing the number of receptors or by changing the affinity of the receptors for the hormone. The greater the number of the receptors for a hormone, the greater the max response. The higher the affinity of the receptor for the hormone, the greater the likelihood of a response. A change in the number of affin- or affinity of receptors is called downregulation or upregulation. Downregulation means that the number of receptors or the affinity of the receptors for the hormone has decreased. Upregulation means that the number or affinity of the receptors has increased. Hormones may downregulate or upregulate their own receptors and target tissues and even may regulate receptors for other hormones. Mechanisms of hormone action and second messengers. Hormone actions on target cells begin when the hormone binds to a membrane receptor, forming a hormone receptor complex. In many hormonal systems, the hormone receptor complex is coupled to effector proteins by guanosine triphosphate, or GTP, binding proteins, or G proteins. The effector proteins usually are enzymes, either adenylene cyclase or phospholipase C. When the effector proteins are activated, a second messenger, either CAMP or IP3, is produced, which amplifies the original hormonal single and orchestrates the physiologic actions. The major mechanism of hormone action on target cells are the adenylene cyclase mechanism, 
which is CAMP, in which CAMP is the second messenger, the phospholipase C mechanism, in which IP3 slash calcium is the second messenger, and the steroid hormone mechanism. In addition, insulin and insulin-like growth factors act on their target cells through a tyrosine kinase mechanism. Finally, several hormones activate guanoline cyclase, in which cyclic guanosine monophosphate, or cyclic GMP, is the second messenger. The mechanisms of actions are summarized in the table. G-proteins are discussed in Chapter 2 in the context of autonomic receptors. Briefly, G-proteins are a family of membrane-bound proteins that couple hormone receptors to effector enzymes, such as adenylene cyclase. Thus, G-proteins serve as a molecular switch that decides whether the hormone action can proceed. At the molecular level, G-proteins are heterotrimeric, i.e. they have three subunits, proteins. The three subunits are designated alpha, beta, and gamma. The alpha subunit combined either guanosine diphosphate, GDP, or GTP, and it contains GTPase activity. When GDP is bound to the alpha subunit, the G protein is inactive. When GTP is bound, the G protein is active and can perform its coupling function. Guanosine nucleotide releasing factors, or GRFs, facilitate dissociation of GDP so that GTP binds more rapidly whereas GTPase activating factors facilitate hydrolysis of GTP. Thus, the relative activity of GRFs and GAPs influence the overall rate of G-protein activation. G-proteins can either be stimulatory or inhibitory and are called accordingly GS and G or GI. Stimulatory or inhibitory activity resides in the alpha subunit Thus, when GTP is bound to alpha subunit of GS protein, the GS protein stimulates the effector enzyme, e.g. adenylene cyclase. When GTP is bound to the alpha I subunit of GI protein, the GI protein inhibits the effector enzyme. The adenylene cyclase, or slash CAMP mechanism, is utilized by many hormonal systems. This mechanism involves binding of a hormone to a receptor coupling by a GS or GI protein, and then activation or inhibition of denylene cyclase leading to increases or decreases in intracellular CAMP. CAMP, the second messenger, then amplifies the hormonal single to produce the final physiologic action. The steps in adenylene cyclase slash CAMP mechanism are shown in the figure. In this example, the hormone utilizes a GS protein. The receptor GS adenylene cycling complex is embedded in the cell membrane. When no hormone is bound to the receptor, the alpha S subunit of the GS protein binds GDP. In this configuration, the GS protein is inactive. When hormone binds to its receptor, the following steps occur. Hormone binds to receptor. Alpha S unit of GS protein turns from GDP to GTP, which activates adenylene cyclase using ATP to form CAMP. Activation of protein kinase A, which causes phosphorylation of proteins and physiologic actions. Hormone binds to the receptor in the cell membrane, producing a conformational change in the alpha-S subunit which produces two changes. GDP is released from alpha subunit 
S and is replaced by GTP and the alpha S subunit detaches from the GS protein. The alpha S GTP complex migrates within the cell membrane and binds to and activates adenylene cyclase. Activated adenylene cyclase catalyzes the conversion of ATP to CAMP, which serves as a second messenger. Although not shown, intrinsic GTPase activity in the G protein converts GTP back to GDP, and the alpha subunit S returns to its inactive state. CAMP via a series of steps involving activation of protein kinase A phosphorylates intracellular proteins. These phosphorylated proteins then execute the final physiologic action. Intracellular CMP is degraded in to an inactive metabolite 5-AMP and by the enzyme phosphodiesterase, thereby turning off the action of the second messenger. Phospholipase C mechanism. Hormones that utilize the phospholipase C IP3 calcium mechanism are also listed in the table. The mechanism involves binding of a hormone to receptor and coupling via GQ protein to phospholipase C. Intracellular levels of IP3 and calcium are increased, producing the final physiologic actions. The receptor GQ phospholipase C complex is embedded in the cell membrane. With no hormone bound to the receptor, the alpha-Q subunit binds GDP. In this configuration, the GQ protein is inactive. When the hormone binds to the receptor, GQ is activated, which activates phospholipase C in the following steps. Hormone binds to its receptor in the cell membrane, producing a conformational change in the alpha-Q subunit. GDP is released from the alpha-Q subunit is replaced by GTP and the alpha-Q subunit detaches from the GQ protein. The GQ-GTP complex migrates within the cell membrane and binds to and activates phospholipase C. Activated phospholipase C catalyzes the liberation of D-acyclglycerol and IP3 from phosphatidylinositol and 4,5-diphosphate, a membrane phospholipid. The IP3 generation generated causes the release of calcium from intracellular stores in the endoplasmic or sarcoplasmic reticulum, resulting in an increase in intracellular calcium concentration. Together, calcium and diacyclglycerol activate protein kinase C, which phosphorylates proteins and produces the final physiologic actions. Hypothalamic-pituitary relationships the hypothalamus and pituitary gland function in a coordinated fashion to orchestrate many of the endocrine systems. The hypothalamic pituitary unit regulates the functions of the thyroid, adrenal, and reproductive glands and also controls growth, milk production, and ejection, and osmoregulation. It's important to visualize the anatomic relationships between the hypothalamus and the pituitary because these relationships underlie the functional connections between the glands. The pituitary gland, which is also ca- called the hypothesis, consists of a posterior lobe and an anterior lobe. The posterior lobe, or posterior pituitary, is also called the neurohypophysis. The anterior lobe, or anterior pituitary, is also called the adenohypophysis. The hypothalamus is connected to the pituitary gland by a thin stalk called the infundibulum. Functionally, the hypothalamus controls the pituitary gland by both neural and hormonal mechanisms. The posterior lobe of the pituitary gland is derived from neural tissue. It secretes two peptide hormones, 
antidiuretic hormone and oxytocin, which act on their respective target tissues, the kidney, the breast, and the uterus. The connections between the hypothalamus and the posterior lobe of the pituitary are neural. In fact, the posterior pituitary is a collection of nerve axons whose cell bodies are located in the hypothalamus. Thus, the hormones secreted by the posterior lobe are actually neuropeptides. In other words, they are peptides released from neurons. The cell bodies of ADH and oxytocin-secreting neurons are located in supraoptic and paraventricular nuclei within the hypothalamus. Although both hormones are synthesized in both nuclei, ADH is primarily associated with supraoptic nuclei and oxytocin is primarily associated with paraventricular nuclei. Once synthesized in the cell bodies, the hormones or neuropeptides are transported down the axons in neurosecretory vesicles and stored in bulbous nerve terminals in the posterior pituitary. When the cell body is stimulated, the neurosecretory vessels are released from the nerve terminals by exocytosis and the secreted hormone enters nearby fenestrated capillaries. Venous blood from the posterior pituitary enters a systemic circulation which delivers the hormone to their target tissues. In summary, the relationship between the hypothalamus and the posterior pituitary is straightforward. A hormone-secreting neuron has its cell body in the hypothalamus and its axons in the posterior lobe of the pituitary. The anterior lobe of the pituitary gland is derived from primitive foregut. Unlike the posterior lobe, which is neural tissue, the anterior lobe is primarily a collection of endocrine cells. The anterior pituitary secretes six peptide hormones thyroid-stimulating hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, growth hormone, prolactin, and adrenocorticotropic hormone. The nature of the relationship between the hypothalamus and the anterior pituitary is both neural and endocrine, in contrast to the posterior lobe, which is only neural. The hypothalamus and anterior pituitary are linked directly by the hypothalamic hypophysial portal blood vessels, which provide most of the blood supply to the anterior lobe. There are both long and short hypophysial portal vessels, which are distinguished as follows. Arterial blood is delivered to the hypothalamus via the superior hypophysial arteries, which distribute the blood in a capillary network in the medium eminence, called the primary capillary plexuses. These primary capillary plexuses converge to form the long hypophysial portal vessels, which travel down the infundibulum to deliver hypothalamic venous blood to the anterior lobe of the pituitary. A parallel capillary plexus forms from the inferior hypophysial arteries in the lower portion of the infundibular stem. These capillaries converge to form the short hypophysial portal vessels, which deliver blood to the anterior lobe of the pituitary. In summary, the blood supply of the anterior pituitary differs from that of other organs. Most of this blood supply is venous blood from the hypothalamus, supplied by long and short hypophysial portal vessels. There are two important implications of the portal blood supply to the anterior lobe of the pituitary. The hypothalamic hormones can be delivered to the anterior pituitary directly and in high concentration, and the hypothalamic hormones do not appear in the systemic circulation in high concentrations. The cells of the anterior pituitary, therefore, are only the only cells in the body to receive high concentration of hypothalamic hormones. The functional connections between the hypothalamus and the anterior lobe of the pituitary can now be understood in the context of anatomic connections. Hypothalamic releasing hormones and release inhibiting hormones are synthesized in the cell bodies of the hypothalamic neurons and travel down the axons of these neurons to the median eminence of the hypothalamus. 
Upon stimulation of these neurons, the hormones are secreted into surrounding hypothalamic tissue and enter the nearby capillary plexus. The blood from these capillaries, now venous blood, drains into the hypophysial portal veins and is delivered directly to the anterior lobe of the pituitary. There, the hypothalamic hormones act on the cells of the anterior lobe where they stimulate or inhibit the release of the anterior pituitary hormones. The anterior pituitary hormones then enter the systemic circulation, which delivers them to target tissues. Six major hormones are secreted by the anterior lobe of the pituitary. TSH, FSH, LH, ACTH, growth hormone, and prolactin. Each hormone is secreted by a different cell type, except FSH and LH, which are secreted by the same cell type. The cell types are denoted by the suffix troph, meaning nutritive. Thus, TSH is secreted by thyrotrophs, FSH and LH by gonadotrophs, ACTH by corticotrophs, growth hormone by somatotrophs, and prolactin by lactotrophs. Each of the anterior pituitary hormones is a peptide or a polypeptide. As described, the synthesis of peptide hormones includes the following steps. Transcription of DNA to messenger RNA in the nucleus, translation of messenger RNA to prepro-hormone on the ribosomes, and post-translational modification of the prepro-hormone on the endoplasmic reticulum and the Golgi apparatus to produce the final hormone. The hormones of the anterior lobe are organized in families according to the structure and function homology. TSH, FSH, and LH are structurally related and constitute one family. ACTH is part of a second family and growth hormone and prolactin constitute a third family. TSH, FSH, and LH are all glycoproteins with sugar moieties covalently linked to asparagine residues residues in their polypeptide chains. The ACTH family is derived from a single precursor, pro-opio-melanocortican. Growth hormone is secreted throughout life. It is the most single important hormone for normal growth to adult stature. Considering the broad nature of this task, it is not surprising that growth hormone has a profound effect on protein, carb, and fat metabolism.